The Sabbat is the second largest sect among vampires and the direct enemy of the Camarilla. The vampires of the Sabbat are cruel, inhuman, and utterly devoted to their cause and will brook no peace with the slaves of the antediluvians. They are reborn and baptized in blood and fire, and their unholy crusade leaves death and destruction in their wake. Howling mad diabolists who fight each other just as much, if not more, as they do the Camarilla. This much you know, this much you have been told, but there is so much more. The Sabbat is an army created for a singular purpose, to end the Jihad. It is a deeply held belief amongst its members that the only way Cainites, or vampires, can be truly free is through the destruction of the eldest of their kind, the Antediluvians, the founders of the clans. The Antediluvians have unfathomable power over their blood. They can influence their progeny from afar, planting ideas, suggestions in their minds to further their ancient masters' agendas. The only way to avoid this, the Sabbat argue, is to break the bonds of blood, to reforge anew through the vinculum, and to find and slay these monsters. Only then can Gehenna be prevented. This is a war. A holy war. We have learned some of the Sabbat's origin in previous videos, and we will get back to its history at a later date, but for now we will discuss what the Sabbat truly is. The Sword of Cain, first of all, is a highly decentralized organization. Packs, that is, groups of Cainites working together, tend to be semi-independent in their structure, and many of them are nomadic, traveling between cities and aiding in a Sabbat siege here or performing a covert operation there. Each Sabbat pack is led by a Ductus, who is usually the hardest or wiliest of the lot. They tend to represent the pack in bigger meetings, as well as calling the shots, but if the rest of the pack doesn't respect their ductus, they'll be removed, often by force. While the ductus attends to earthly matters and planning, the priest of the pack sees to their packmates' spiritual well-being. The Sabbat, unlike the Camarilla, tends to be highly devout. The priests, as their titles implies, conduct rituals, prayers and ceremonies that help bind their pack together. They also provide counseling, of a twisted sort, helping their fellow Cainites to adhere to their chosen paths alternate sets of morals meant to replace the humanity that is so quickly lost to a Sabbat. For many Sabbat, the Dakti, the priests and possibly the bishops might be the only Sabbat leadership they will ever know. Suffice to say, unlife in this sect tends to be rather short and messy. Being Sabbat is more often than not a distinctly unpleasant experience that tends very quickly to traumatize the freshly embraced vampire to a point where they're either at a risk of becoming completely unhinged from their real world, or they need to somehow make sense of their new existence. Paths help with that, and while I will not cover them too much here, it can be summarized that they, to a human, are completely alien. While many of them forbid unnecessary killing, for example, the motivation behind this is often more because it would deprive the kindred of a victim to torture and abuse, or a lab rat to try new techniques of flesh crafting upon. A pack's bond to each other is strengthened through the vinculum, a communal blood bond forged between all pack members through the Valdry. We've discussed this one before, but it bears repeating that a vinculum can be formed with a multitude of canines over time. It does not break. There is also an element of randomness to it. Each pack member is affected differently during the ritual, some barely sensing the bond, while others will willingly risk their own unlives for their new brothers and sisters. One can become Sabbat in a few ways, but the traditional embrace is still one of the most common, especially amongst slightly older members who might be more selective. 
Sabbat Canites might come upon a human they see great potential in and decide to preserve and refine this talent. Or perhaps they want to see what happens when the potential child is stripped of all things that define their normal, bland existence. No matter the method, canites created this way tend to have a much higher survival rate, once they are undead, than the next ones, affectionately called shovelheads. As previously mentioned, one of the Sabbat's preferred methods of fighting is by laying siege to a Camarilla city. This is often a very long process, as roving packs of Sabbat may have been poking and prodding the Camarilla in the area for years. Gauging strengths, looking for potential recruits amongst the disenfranchised anarchs, and testing to see what mortal institutions will be brought to bear should the city be threatened. This information is then reported up the chain of command, and once a critical mass of information and packs has been gathered, the siege begins. The Sabbat fights dirty out of necessity. They're often younger, weaker, and have less resources than the Camarilla, so they turn these assets against their enemy. The Bruja Primogen will be too busy to attend to the prince's needs if she's constantly forced to help out and protect the street gangs under her command, and the Ventru might have to devote all his waking time to cover up increasing reports of blood-drained corpses, people tearing roofs off of cars, and drive-bys where some of the victims miraculously got up and walked off after being peppered with bullets. One crucial part of most any siege is the creation of shovelheads. The Sabbat round up several kind that they force to dig graves in a park, construction site, or suitably a cemetery. Once the holes have been dug, they are drained of blood, quickly given just enough vitae to begin the transformation into a vampire, and then buried in the holes they dug. In order to escape, these frenzied canines have to claw their way out from under six feet of dirt, and this often marks the beginning of their rapid loss of humanity. Many times there are vampires who don't make it out, too frenzied or confused to find their way out, and there are stories told about raving mad fledglings suddenly showing up days or even months after a Sabbat siege has ended, having finally made their way out of their earthy tombs. These poor souls are often lost completely to the beast and are put down as a mercy. These shovelheads are not considered true sabbat, but are instead used as cannon fodder in shock troops. Sometimes they are let loose in a crowded mall or other places to wreak havoc on the masquerade. They rarely survive the night, but those who do may be elevated through the ritual of creation, in which case they will be considered true sabbat with all that it entails. The same goes for those canines embrace the traditional way and those who seek membership at a later date. While the Camarilla has a policy that every kindred is a member of the sect by default, meaning that if they do not adhere to the traditions, the prince are in the right to punish them. The Sabbat, not so much. Any Kainat who is not yet true Sabbat must prove their worth to the sect. This is traditionally done through a show of loyalty through combat, but servicing the sect in some other major way can also work. You do not get a membership card just for showing up in the sort of cane after all. You need to earn it. As the typical Sabbat's life is short, dangerous, and terrifying, morale can sometimes be threatened. It is the duty of the priest to aid with that, and over time a multitude of rite have been devised to entertain, reward, and test the canines of the sect. While there are certain rite that all packs will take part in, called the Auctoritas rite, of which there are 13, many packs create their own rite and traditions, called the Ignoblis rite, although some are common enough that they've been adopted across the world. These can range from solemn rites of atonement for sins to tests of pain or bravery, fire often being a key element in these rite. The higher echelons of the Sabbat differ quite significantly from the lower. 
Many elders in the sect are almost Camarilla-like in their nature, hoarding resources, information and power as they play a dangerous game against each other to keep themselves relevant and respected. Certain Sabbat-run cities like Mexico City and Milan have been so for so long that there are courts and intrigues just as Byzantine as what you'd find in Chicago or London. Many factions within the Sabbat consider this heretical, arguing that this goes against the very nature of their sect. But they often don't dare challenge this system outright, knowing full well what forces these elders can unleash upon the vocal opponent. The hierarchy of the Sabbat is structured as such. Above the ducti and priests are the bishops, comparable to the primogen of a city. Above those is the archbishop, often connected to a larger region and similar to the Camarilla prince. Then you have the prisci, special advisors to the sect who hold no formal power, but whose wisdom and experience is often respected and listened to. The cardinals are above the archbishops, ruling over greater territories and coordinating sieges and general conduct, and finally, the regent is the de facto head of the movement. A controversial position that has sparked many conflicts through the Sabbat's history. The current regent is Melinda Galbraith, a Toreador anti-tribu who holds court in Mexico City and who, together with the cardinals, attempt to steer the wild bucking beast that is the Sabbat. In my next video, we will once again pursue knowledge of another clan. This time we will delve into the sewers beneath the cities and learn more about the Nosferatu, the information brokers of the Camarilla. Until then, I'd like to thank the Ancile, Edward Reed, Colin Gifford, and Harry Wyckoff, as well as my loyal neonates. And thank you for watching. Now be careful out there, for Gehenna may soon be upon us.